0: It's good to see everybody here this morning. As you're finding a seat, I want to remind you real quickly that our annual business meeting will be the last Sunday of this month, uh, Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. And uh, we're going to have a a great night of uh, just reflecting back and kind of looking forward Uh, We need you to be there if you're a member, and if you're not a member, we'd love for you to become a member and uh, join in uh, with us and just where we're going as a church. Also remember that coming up the 13th, which is uh, this coming uh, Saturday night, is our uh, all-church worship night. We're going to have a time as we enter into the Palm Sunday uh, Easter season that we just give God praise and has an opportunity just to, to be here together and celebrate His goodness. Uh, would you just join with me in prayer before we begin, Father? Today, there's nothing too hard for you, God. We know that as we open up our hearts to you, that Father, that you can impart, you can give us wisdom uh, to know you better, to know your your, your will for our lives. God, and, and we know that as you give us uh, clear or clarity in, in our vision of what you have for us, our purpose, God, and how, how to operate as a believer, that God, that we have the ability to to go through obstacles and barriers that a lot of times people fall into or are hindered to going forward. But God, through your word, God, you give us clarity to be able to overcome that. And that's what we're asking again This morning, in your wonderful name, we pray. Amen. You know, there's something about obstacles that come up that keep us from receiving a harvest. You know, we're we're talking about the goodness of God and how when we get... uh, When we understand salvation... See, a lot of churches just swim in the pool of salvation, which is the most amazing revelation of realizing that Jesus came and died for us, and therefore we can be forgiven. That, that That is everything. Nothing goes, first of all, without knowing that wisdom of the Word of God in our life working. But once we understand that, to understand that the Word of God is vast and is for our good to be able to see things take place, has anybody beside myself understood that and to seen that happen in their life that it was? It's more than salvation. And so today we're going to go on and we're going to we're going to show you and see things in the Word of God that is that is propelled. You could say you know kind of uh, the word hyperbole, which is to extend beyond. And, and the Word of God, the anointing of the Word of God on our life gives us clarity as a believer, as a son or a daughter of the King you would think that the son or daughter of a king would be trained in. And in history, uh, you look at the kings of France and the kings of England, the kings of countries, they took very special care of the children of the king because they were in line to take leadership. Well, we are sons and daughters of the king. And the Word of God is put forward so that we can learn and we can... When we go into a situation that we're knowledgeable about how to handle that, and the day comes when we're in a situation where we've never been trained, we say, God, I know that you are here with me and that you can give us wisdom or you can give me wisdom by your Holy Spirit as I am obedient to you. Now, as we're in the subject in the series, The Harvest, you know, sometimes it becomes overwhelming to to think that God wants us to be blessed. For some people, they just can't they can't go beyond that. They got a ceiling, and it, it's just like that they hit that ceiling. It's like, well, you know, that kind of false humility. Well, if you read the Word of God over and over, it talks about people that are blessed by God's will for their life. So this morning, if you're one of those people that it's just so hard to to think that God wants to bless you, could could just for about you know, a little more than 10 minutes, how's that for positive thinking, to, to move this over here and listen with the hope and heart about what God could do and really what he wants to do in your life. This morning, uh, the title of my message is The Chicken or the Egg. See, really, the, the, the whole thought, it, it's a, a metamor- metaphoric, adjective describing a situation which is not clear either it's what what is considered the cause and what should be considered the effect uh, mother asked her daughter uh which came first the chicken or the egg and the little daughter laughed and said of course uh the egg and she said what well mommy everybody knows eggs are for breakfast and chicken is for lunch and supper <laughs> Well, we're going to go on. I apologize for that right off the bat. But, but the thought is what, what is the cause and what is the effect in our life? If we're saying, God, I believe that I, I'm a child of the king and, and your child, and Father, that you want the best for me, and, and God, I, I just, ah, it's just so amazing. Then we have to know what the Word of God says over our life. Not what John Miller says, not what, you know, the media says. What does the Word of God say about my life? And what, what should I be walking in? Not on, on a yearly basis. You know, some people just show up for Easter and, and that's better than nothing. But I'm talking about on a daily basis. Did, did I say that you're going to be perfect? No. But this is where we are. We're walking with the Word of God in mind to be able to become part of our DNA of who we are as a child of the King. So let's look at it this way. When creating a culture, you know what a culture is? Where where you thrive in a certain way in in a place where that's just it's designed for that. Let me give you an example real quick. If our church was not friendly, okay, it is friendly. But if it was not friendly and we created something, because we we just thought, how can we create a culture of of warmness, of friendliness? We would come up with something like we did, halftime. Because if you didn't have halftime, you wouldn't really have to go out of your seat. This is my safety zone right around me every Sunday, and I don't have to talk to somebody. But if we do halftime, it's a culture that, for one thing, you've got to walk over there to get a cup of coffee, and if you like cookies. Did you notice I got some Oreos so that your teeth get black, huh? Some some of you need to loosen up a little bit and you <laughs> Woo, look at there. Some of you right now are going, E-e-e-e-e-e-e. But the culture begins to change when there's something in in, in, the, in motion where you you, you say, well, we got five minutes. I can say hi to you. How are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? And all of a sudden, it's amazing how people begin to go, you know what? This is kind of a culture that's different than other places. This is a warm place to be. I, I like it. It's creating a culture. So this morning when we're talking about creating a culture for harvest, coming into our life, in, in and in really a person's life, here's what's important is to create a system of operation that we realize the cause and the effect. Because there's a lot of people that will go through, and they're believers, and they go, why don't I ever seem to be blessed? And this morning, I, I want to take an example out of the Word of God and, and show you how this... Story sets a principle. Not, this is not the first time it was done, but, but over and over again, you can see it happening in the Word of God and setting a system in place. Now, now before I go on, realize that most people don't do what they're not made to do. It, it's just a fact. I had a doctor years ago, and, and he's retired since. He was like 150 years old. I mean, he was old as dirt, and he was right in your eye. And he would say, yeah, old, you're getting older, and you're going to die one day. And I was like, Doc, could you soften the blow a little bit? Well, you're not that bad looking. How's that? Doc! And he was just, mm. and I said, how many people, you know, because he'd always say, you you don't need to eat so many carbohydrates. And I said, okay. And he goes, no, you really need to eat only a hundred carbohydrates a day. Well not knowing carbohydrates I thought well that's a couple baked potatoes and you know a couple sandwiches and I'm good. If you ever study carbohydrates because he gave me a book, he didn't give me a book, he said, you go buy this book so I had to buy the book and, and I looked up you know what carbohydrates and what's it it's like one baked bean. I'm not talking about one serving it's like one baked bean and I'm Daddy got to have his roll. I said, how many people actually follow what you know and you're a doctor and how many people that you prescribe medicine? He goes, man, it'd be lucky if 20%. And if you think about it, the people that are over a certain age, and I won't say that age, but over a certain age that exercise usually are the ones that have already had a heart attack. And what they do is they go, man, I got, I got to get out there and do something. It is after the fact that they did it. I was thinking about that this morning when I was out kind of jogging, walking. More walking than jogging. But I was out exercising. And, and I thought to myself, I don't want to go there. So the, this morning is we're, we're talking about doing something that maybe we don't want to do. Remember, I really feel like my definition of maturing or maturity is doing the best for you without being made to. I've used that illustration in the past about mommy making us brush our teeth. Get in there and brush your teeth. Oh, well, I don't want to do it. And the older you get, you know, you don't have to brush your teeth. But you go a little while and you realize that was the best thing for me when the dental bills start piling up. So, so this morning when we're we're talking about what the Word of God says, understand that this is something that takes discipline. You can come to the chapel and I can go, Rah! and everybody gets excited and they motivate it. But we know that motivation only lasts a short time, and then you have to have self-discipline. And anything that is going to be accomplished that's above average is going to take some self-discipline. It doesn't hurt that your wife won't feed you as many carbohydrates, but again, that's another story. Thank you for helping me on that, Go in. Let me tell you just on a short note, Ina May's funeral dinner afterwards with the family, fried chicken. (sighs) My wife would not let me eat fried chicken, but Ina May would. She's a good woman. (laughs) All right, back to the sermon here. We're maturing, we're moving on in our faith. This morning, I want you to see kind of the background of the story that I'm going to read in in the background is that David is an amazing king. I mean, he has conquered the enemies. He has set in motion the most powerful time in Israel's history. I mean, he's got it going on. I mean, he's the one that sets the brand. Everybody looks at him as the king, and then he anoints his son Solomon, which is just a little boy. David passes away and gives him the responsibility from day one of building the temple. Now, now you think, well, that's good. The temple in today's dollars would be billions to to build this. And not only was his responsibility to build the temple, but his responsibility was to lead God's people. Did you hear that? God's people, not his people. So the responsibility began to, to, you know, ugh. Now, there, there's always some time in our life that we're called on to be responsible for things that are over our head. If you've ever had a child, you know the first day you look into that little child's eyes, oh my goodness, God help me! I don't know how to do this, doctor. I didn't get the instruction manual. Could you? Could you hand me that? You're on your own. And you get that feeling of, God, I have to have you. Well, this is what's going on in little Solomon's life. We think of him as this king, you know, that's, you know, all this and that. But this guy, some historians, because it isn't mentioned, some historians think that he's possibly as young as 12 years of age. 12 years of age. He, he just made it in the youth group. Some think he's 14 and someone or some historians think it's possibly the oldest that he could have been would be around 21. And don't we always want to be out of high school and we always want to, and we get to about 18 to 21, and we go, oh no, what am I going to do now? I don't know what age he was, but at this point in his life, he's going, God, I got to have you. Participation is good for the soul. How many people has ever been over your head and you needed God to help you? So put yourself in this place in this place that he's at. What do you do? In 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 4. 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 4. Here it says the king and I kind of laugh thinking he's such a young guy but he's the king. I don't know if he had a name badge but he is the man. The king, the helmet, the hat, whatever. The king went to Gibeon near Jerusalem where stood the tabernacle and the bronze altar. These were things that Moses carried in the wilderness, and it had a lot of meaning, and he went there to sacrifice. For there, that was the great high place, and 1,000, look at that, 1,000 burnt offerings Solomon offered on that altar. 1,000 burnt offerings. In other words, 1,000 animals, probably oxen, were sacrificed right there on that day. Remember that. 1,000. 342, 345, you know, 1,000. Do do you think that he's saying, God, I'm going to give you. Help me, God. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. Now remember, this is not a genie. But again, remember that God will always resource the dream and the fulfillment of the responsibility that he gives you. Now sometimes we want more resources than what we feel like he's given us. But God knows exactly what to give us to fulfill what he's put in our heart. It says, "Solomon said, you have shown your, your servant David, my father, great mercy and loving kindness according as he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and uprightness of heart with you. And you have kept for him this great kindness and steadfast love that you have given him in a son to sit on his throne this day. Okay, so he's thanking God for his father. Now it goes from father, daddy, to him. Do you ever remember when you sit in the back seat of daddy's car and you just kind of go, where are we going? To the day that you moved to the driver's seat and went, oh no. i got to pay attention to where I'm going. This is Solomon. He's going, now it's me. Because in verse uh, 7 it says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a lad. Now, now he, he, in the Bible it defines it. I don't know if that's the translation, but in my Bible it says... In wisdom and experience. See, as a young man, and you know as well as me, you can be 50 years of age and still be lacking in wisdom and experience in a certain area. And that's where he is. He's saying, I, I lack the wisdom and experience on what I've been called to do. He says, I know not how to go out, which is begin, or come in, which means to finish. He doesn't know how to begin or even finish the job of being king, let alone building the temple. It goes on to say, Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people who cannot be counted for multitude. So so here's the big ask. (laughs) I pronounce it clearly. So give your servant an understanding mind and a hearing heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and bad for who is able to judge and rule this your great people. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this and God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for long life or for riches for the lives uh, of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to recognize what is just and right. Behold, I've done as you ask. I've given you in wise, discerning mind, and that no one before you was your equal, nor shall any arise after you equal to you. I've also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among you the kings equal to you all your days. Now look at this. And if you will go my ways, if you will go my ways, keep my statues and my commandments, In other words, if you keep my systems and you keep my operations, what I know is God, I have a bird's eye perspective. You can't see tomorrow. I can see tomorrow. But if you keep my commandments, as your father David did, then I will lengthen your days. Solomon awoke. And behold, it was a dream. He came to Jerusalem. Watch this. As soon as the dream takes place, he comes to Jerusalem. He stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The the Ark of the Covenant. Again, the covenant. do Do you know what the covenant is? That's what we did this morning taking the Lord's Supper. We didn't stand before the Ark of the Covenant, but we did proclaim the covenant of the believer by taking the Lord's Supper, the communion. He went and stood at the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Now, I want you to see, because this morning as we're talking about reaping a harvest, understand that creating a system is something of discipline and understanding that today you're reaping most of the time what you did yesterday, which yesterday could be last week, last month, last year. So some people can sow today and they can get over here and they can reap, but they haven't sowed anything in between. So it's like they go through the desert for months ago. I don't know if it works. I don't know if God really loves me. I don't know. So this morning as you see a system of operation, as we go on, I want you to see a system that produces harvest. In Solomon's life, just quickly, I'm going to kind of give you all three points, and I can see everybody has a pen and a paper, so yeah, I appreciate the uh the Here we go. The first one is that he had a system that started with giving. He gave of himself, his possessions, his time, his givenness, his creativity, all that he had. The second thing is he had humility. He said, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I need you. God, I have to have you. And the third thing is expectations. I, I always love this point because with him, here he is, he, he hears the promise and what does he do? He goes immediately and stands for the Ark of the Covenant and offers sacrifice. And in other words, he says, okay, God, here it is. I'm here. And then I want you to understand that he repeated, he repeated, he repeated that over and over. Let me say it again. He gave, he walked in humility, and then he had expectations. All up until towards the end of his life when distractions came in and took that away from him, the system. Broke him out of that system. Let, let me show you. The first thing is giving. And it works for you and I. The Bible says over and over, over, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. In, in, in Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 9, around chapter 9, it says that God blesses us in order that we are generous on every occasion. Now, if you've ever had an opportunity to give uh, to certain things or to certain people, I mean, I, I don't know how you rate them. You know, um, babies that are in need in, in a third world country, that need all the way down to the guy that's on the curb, I'll work for food, give me some money. But we all get opportunities to look and go, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to give to that. But when you read the Bible, that we're we're blessed so that we can be generous on every occasion. I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit went kling, 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 every occasion. Now, some of you are thinking, I can't be generous on every occasion. If you are blessed with a harvest today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, that you have enough, that you're walking in the blessing of saying, God, you are not the God of just enough, but you're the God of more than enough. You, you have given me life to the full, to the abundant, to the overflow. God, where am I going to sow this next seed? Okay, I lost you. All the oxygen just sucked out of the room here. <clears throat> Every occasion? How am I going to have my Axiom coffee if I give to everybody? <laughs> Giving. The Bible says in chapter 9 of First Corinthians that God has blessed us so that we can be generous on every occasion. But He's blessed the farmer with the seed and the bread. Here's the problem. is A lot of times people eat their seed... And then they wonder why they don't have any bread. They never sowed the seed. Have you ever... I hope nobody in here has, but as a believer, as we're walking in maturity and doing things that that the person that is not the believer doesn't understand, uh, are you listening? Realize that we're not the average. The believer, the sons and daughters of God are not the average. The average is just the, the best of the worst and the worst of the best. We're we're above that. We're stretching. We're going further than the person that doesn't even believe in God. When people see us, they don't look at us and go, you don't look any different than a person that isn't even a believer. Oh no. Oh no, sir. They look at us and they go, wow. Why are you generous on every occasion? How do you do that? I'm glad you ask, And we're able to share the good news of what God has done in our life. So this morning, to realize what is the difference between continually sowing or continually eating, what well, we should be sowing. The first thing, is I said, is giving. And when you look at this, here he is at the dedication of the temple. Here's Solomon. We know that he's given a thousand oxen. And you say, well, he's the king. He's rich. Do you know that there wasn't a king that followed him, that gave as much as he did? And do you know, though, that later he becomes the wealthiest king that Israel ever had? And you go, well, I wonder how that happened. Well, I'm going to tell you how it happened. He was a giver. And God blessed him. It says in in chapter 8, not chapter 3, we move to chapter 8, and he's dedicating the temple. Because he's accomplished it. God has blessed him, had his hands upon him. He has done. I mean, this place is... You know, Texas Stadium is pretty. The Taj Mahal might be prettier. And then you go on and on to the bigger, better buildings. But this was one of the amazements of the historical world that people would come from all over the world just to see this temple. Again, a young man does this. And on the dedication day, what does he do? God, I gave my life, I gave all I had, and that should be enough. No, the Bible says that he has a giving episode. The Bible says that he gives 22 22,000 oxen. You wonder if there's any cows in the whole land after that. 22,000 are sacrificed, and 120,000... 120 120 thousand sheep they, they they have a place where here, here's the sacrifice it's the you know the altar the bronze altar and everything where it's set up they have to move location of the sacrifices because there's so many that guy Solomon he, he's a giver he says I've got all this and the reason I have God is because of you And I'm going to give it back as an offering to you. In in the end of this passage in chapter 8, you got to read it sometimes. It's amazing. It says that he's throwing this big feast to all the people and giving them food and everything. And then he sits them home. They go home to their tents and they're high-fiving. Man, God is good. Look at that. Let's go a couple more chapters to chapter 9, verse 25. And again, you get a snapshot of his heart. In chapter 9, it says, Three times a year, Solomon offered burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar. He built to the Lord and burnt incest with him before the Lord. So he finished the house. In other words, the temple, but also his palace. He's a giver. He's a giver. Three times a year, we're not talking about giving just a tithe. He went way beyond that in giving sacrifices and sacrifices God. And, and see, in our time period, you go, he's going to mean killing all those animals. Realize that they're dealing with a whole different way of asking for forgiveness of their sins than what we do as believers because we believe that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice once and forever. I mean, that's amazing and wonderful, but aren't you glad that we don't have to have a bunch of animals around to sacrifice? I didn't hear many amens on that, but you know. Think about it. He's a giver. He continually gives. Now let me tell you what giving does. It breaks... All the negatives off of your life. If you ever get in a place where you just feel like you're walking negative, and some of you here today are maybe in that place where you, you know, you're always looking at the negative part of it. And you go, you know what? Maybe that's just who I am. No, that's not. There's something that has developed on your life that you begin to look at the possibilities of it being wrong. Negative. Let me tell you what will break off negative in your life. And that is giving. Listen, if you get in a place of bitterness, you know what will break that off your life? Having a spirit of gratitude. You need to just go around saying, thank you God for for that little button on my shirt. You, You can get down to the smallest thing and then start going all the way up to, man, I just thank you for such a wonderful wife. Gentlemen, that was your spot right there. Amen! You could have had a fight on the way to church and there was your opportunity. But to be thankful, all of a sudden we'll begin to break that. I can't believe... You might have been offended with somebody. And I've encouraged you in the past to do something and that is to give them a gift. And that's where that maturity begins to be felt in your life when you begin to stretch and go... Oh, I don't know if I want to give them a gift. You don't know what they did to me. I don't care what they did to you. Our God says forgive them. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't want to. Either you're a believer or you're not. Either you're a follower of God and say, God, I'll do what you've asked me to do, or you won't. So, so breaking bitterness is having an attitude of thankfulness. To, to have pride in your life, you know, you might find yourself kind of walking around and kind of, you know, nobody can tell me anything. Do, do you know that being a giver will break that off if you give somebody, if you'll give of your time? All you have to do is think that you're something on that and a bag of chips. You know what I mean? Go down and serve at the soup kitchen a couple of days and you'll be like, oh my goodness. Thank you, God. You, you want to break negative off of your marriage give a gift to your spouse you want to have a good relationship with somebody <laughs> somebody's like hey man not gonna miss that second one I miss the first one you you want to have good relationships and maybe you just say you know I don't really don't like people because I can't ever make them it seems like like me I can't let me tell you, I, we, we've taught this in our church so long now, but so many people haven't been here. Let me refresh that when you're having a relationship with somebody, and I, I mean, if if I have a relationship with Homer, or I have a relationship with Gwen, or I have a relationship with Doug, whoever you have a relationship, realize that there's a way that we all work that's different. If I'm loving Gwen, well, I'm not going to love Gwen like I love Homer, but you know, the, but, but anyway. <laughs> That's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> All right, we're back. But but there's there, there's uh, languages of love. Some people like to spend quality time. With, that, that just that's a way that they receive love. Another uh, person might want words of affirmation. Tell, tell me what you appreciate about me. That's the only way that I'm going to hear. There's some people like that. There's some people that only hear love by someone giving them a gift. Again, this is what we're talking about. Physical touch or acts of service. And see, when, when you're giving of that language of love and you're spending time, quality time, or acts of service, whatever it might be, you realize you're giving of yourself in order to have a good relationship. That's breaking that negative off. That nobody likes me. Because you're not a giver. Point number one, giving. Point number two, humility. Well, watch this. So many times that we realize that we have to stay the course. And and just like I've shared that illustration about the space shuttle going to the moon and it has to keep firing its engine to stay on course. There's something about walking in humility that recorrects when you say, God, I don't know it all. And sometimes it's good to say that out of your mouth. I know, guys, sometimes you gotta go in your closet so nobody hears you or in the car and close the doors, turn on the radio. God, I don't know it all. But that's where it starts. Here's a couple weeks ago when I preached the message, Peter, can I use your boat? Remember, if he doesn't walk in humility and say, okay, all his purpose in life is missed. But what he did was humbled himself. He could have said, God, Jesus, you don't know how to fish. You're a teacher. But in humbling himself and said, on your word, I'll launch out into the deep, he caught a great catch and ended up following Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people gave their heart to God and are in heaven today. Just on that one day. Because he said, yes, I will follow you. Because he humbled himself. Humility opens the door for a harvest to come into your life. Giving breaks off the negative and the blockade of harvest coming into your life. And I believe humility opens the door for harvest. When you think about the little boy that gave five loaves and two fishes, he gets five basketfuls. I believe Given to him as leftovers. Here's five baskets to take home to mama. The woman, or the, yes, the woman with a perfume that anoints, when when Judas goes, that's the cost of a year's wages, it should be given. God blessed her and even said that that story would be told about her, and it is. Think about the Old Testament when the, the widow with just the little oil. Or another widow with just a little bread. Or the lady with two coins and that's all she had and she gave it. All those ladies are giving something and humbling themselves and saying, I don't have this all down. An extreme blessing came in their life. When you think about the disciples giving their life, again, humbling themselves to follow God. We we talked in our class a couple weeks ago that a successful person has many advisors because they've humbled themselves and they've asked. And that's in every area of their life. They say, you know, I don't have it going on. Can, can you tell me what's going on? Do you know any time that I start kind of a new business in my life that I realize that there are people that are, have spent years getting to a certain level? I, don't, I really don't want to spend years to get where they are. So I'll go to them and I'll go, man, can you help me out? And all of a sudden they kind of their chair up and they go, what do you need? And I said, I just don't, I, I know that you probably know more about that. You probably forgot more than I'll ever know. Can you help me on that? And it's amazing how they'll just give me insight because I've humbled myself. Humility goes a long ways. I don't even know, Solomon says, how to go out. Or come in I don't even know how to start he humbled himself have you ever heard about uh, or heard a little boy that lacked confidence that if, if you've ever been one of those children that have sold you know the world's greatest chocolate bars or something for school and you had to go around you go, how about the kid that comes to your door and you, you have pity on him he goes, I got some candy and I know you probably don't want any and it's it's kind of melted in my pocket and maybe in the box you think you want one they're only a dollar now he lacks confidence hey the lights are on the other day during the funeral I get up and as soon as I start talking in the funeral the lights went off We're not going to have that today. All right. The boy lacks confidence, and he would have sold much more if he would have had confidence. Here we are as Christians, children of the king. And when you realize your identity of who you are, it's amazing how when you begin to read passages like uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, that Jesus says that when you Ask anything in my name. You can even speak to a mountain to be cast into the sea and it will be so. All of a sudden there's a confidence. And and humility doesn't mean a lack of confidence. Number three is expectation. We've been talking about faith and patience the first of the year. We've talked about the goodness of God. Gwen, Gwen spoke on the covenant of the believer. This morning, the, the last point that I want us to, to kind of bring home that you could see in his life. Now, now, remember, he he is the wealthiest king. He is considered the blessed, most blessed king in all of Israel. David was blessed, but not to the level of his son Solomon. And I believe it was because he knew the authority of what God had given him. The authority of the believer. Just in the next few minutes, I want us to think of something maybe that you haven't done before. In knowing your identity as a son and daughter of God, to begin to think of yourself as a child of the king. Years ago, when, they, when a king would take and be anointed, and a lot of times it was by the church, that they began to, to operate in a sense of destiny that out of all the people on the earth, God chose them to be the king. And if you study history, they got into a place that they did not answer to earthly authority, but they were answering to God. An extreme responsibility, but an extreme authoritarian, in other words, a feeling of, I've been given this job for a reason. Now, I want us to, just for a minute, Think of what the paradigm shift, in other words, the way you're thinking, would shift if right now you begin to believe that. That as a child of the king, that God has given you authority, in the, in the circle of people, the, the job that you work at, the, 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 the family that is not believers in your household or maybe your relatives, cousins and aunts, that God has given you the ability and the authority to be able to bless them and speak into their life things that, that they would not even imagine the blessing because, because you're there. It's almost like putting on a new pair of glasses and seeing something different for the first time. You know, in the book of Genesis chapter 12, and I'll end with this, here is God and he's speaking to Abraham that doesn't have the Bible. The Bible isn't even written at this time. The Lord said to Abram, it's before he even gives him the name Abraham, go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country. From your relatives and your father's house to the land, I will show you. Now, now we believe that the reason why God was saying, Get away! Wasn't just because of, I'm going to show you a vacation spot. It was because the people that are around you will begin to speak into who you are. And I'm going to say you're something else. It goes on to say, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors, and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. Now, can you imagine if he stayed around his kinsmen, his family? <laughs> You're not that. Who said that? God said that. Oh, you must have been eating pizza last night. You're nothing but little Jimmy. Jimmy. God says, I want you to leave to go to a place where I'll show you. And there's a reason why I want you to go there is because I'm going to increase. I'm going to give you a harvest. He goes on to say, and I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you, and curse him who curses or uses instant language towards you, Insolent language towards you. In you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed. And by you they will bless themselves. Now now let me say this. If that blessing that came on Abraham is mentioned in Galatians, that the blessing of Abraham comes on us as Gentiles. And we begin to receive that and we so to speak, now change our perspective and put on God's vision, His new glasses, so to speak, of seeing ourselves. God, you're blessing us to be a blessing. Why? So that you'll bless the people of the earth. I'll bring a harvest on you so that you'll be a blessing to the people that are around you. And here's what I love as you can begin expecting it. Okay. That's for me. The Bible says that Abraham does not have a perfect life. Abraham went through a lot of trials. But knowing that that purpose was for him and his family... We see the blessing through Abraham all the way through the Jewish people, even to the place where people that needed answers throughout history went to them, the Jews. To the point where most of the time that they went through the persecutions, especially the Holocaust, is because Satan wanted to stop the answer, which was given by God in his people. This morning in maturing and expecting a harvest in our life to understand of giving is something that goes against our will. We know as a little child our hands, no, mine. You ever look at a retiree at their savings account? Mine. We've we've got to watch out. Of giving with humility opens up as the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, the floodgates of heaven to be a blessing to us. And again, after each message, we got to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to do anything tomorrow different than what we did today? But I want to challenge you, not just as a pastor, but as a friend. Let me tell you, John Miller, if I'm building this plan, this doesn't work. It's get all you can, can all you get, and set on your can. This is mine. That, that's, that's what our flesh says. But if we believe that God is the creator of the universe, and you've heard those illustrations, you know, there's a planet that if the earth was the size of a golf all, there'd be like 50 semi-trucks full of golf balls. And I mean, it's just, if we believe that God is the creator of the universe, and he created our bodies, and he knows the future, then we have to say, God, then in giving with a humble heart, we can begin to expect, look long for your blessings to come into our life. And I want to challenge you as a friend to become a giver, a generous giver of your time, your talents, your gifts. I end with this story. Ina Mae Palmer lived a great life. 82 years of age. She didn't have an easy life. She was in this church with John Miller as pastor 25 years. She was here before I got here. Most Sundays, you wouldn't even know she came to church because she was in the nursery. And when you would talk to her afterwards, she would always have a smile on her face. I'm not going to get into her personal life, but she didn't lack for anything. She was faithful, faithful, faithful. I said at the funeral one Sunday, she didn't come to church and all of us were talking in the back before church and we went, where's May? And we were worried about her for a few minutes and then we became worried about ourselves. Did the rapture take place? And we were left. <laughs> That's what kind of lays you. Because she would show up and she'd take care of it. And, and I began to think, you know, maybe it's it's time for somebody else to give. Be back there in the nursery. And she just laughs and say, no. And, and I wonder about, you know, when when you've heard and you're walking, not that every Sunday you should be in the nursery, but there's a time when you go, when where can I give? Where can I give of my talent? Maybe I can help in the children's ministry. Maybe I can help in the youth ministry. Maybe I can help in this area, this area, this area. Instead of going, you yeah, know what? Well, Shh, they won't see me. And it may show up. She's faithful. She's faithful. She raised two sons as a single parent. She was faithful. She is faithful. She is faithful. And you'd look at her, and it looked like at first she was struggling. That was before I knew her. But I, I talked to the family, and oh my goodness, she's gone through all this. She's just faithful. She's just faithful. She's just faithful. She's just faithful. What am I going to do today? I'm gonna to be faithful. I'm just gonna be faithful. What 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 do I need to do? All these things, just be faithful. She's faithful. Put a smile on her face. She'd show up. Maybe she's not feeling to the top of her game. She's been faithful. I'm just gonna be faithful. I know all this other stuff's going on in my life and in my family. And that person did that to me. And that person did that to me. I'm just gonna be faithful. I'm just gonna be faithful. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna be faithful to God and I'm gonna be faithful to what He has for me. And I don't care about that person. I don't care about. I care about him, but I'm gonna be faithful. I know I can be faithful. Can I do this? Maybe not, but I'm going to be faithful. And when, when the times kind of got good, what's she going to do? She's going to be faithful. And if I had about 20 more minutes, I'd say faithful, 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 faithful. And when you, when you get a person that's faithful, you don't wonder, I wonder if she's going to be faithful today. She shows up. She's going to be faithful. Put a smile on her face. I may, didn't you get the news that someone did that to you last night? Yeah. I'm going to be faithful. Did it bother you? Oh, a little bit. But I'm going to be faithful. Until the day that she steps in and she's fruitful. All her bills are paid. Her house is paid off. Does she go around going, let me tell you how much money I have? No. But she's fruitful. Fruitful. Her family goes through something. She's big givers in her family. Something goes on in our church. Give her. And some of you that have gone through some financial crisis that have gotten money, you didn't even know. She was fruitful. if I could encourage you, be faithful. Even when you don't see it, even when you think, oh, God must have missed me about that fruitful stuff because all I am is, oh no, he is not. And the harvest is on the way. Let's pray. Thank you so much, God, for your blessings in our life. God, there is never a time when your eyes depart from us. God, you know our coming in and our going out And Father, help us to remember that God, when we are faithful, God, your anointing comes upon your children. When we understand, God, that your commandments, your statutes, your systems are the perfect systems. God, that's what we do. We lay down our life to follow you. We pick up our cross and we follow you. God, we serve you. We say yes to you. And Father, when we do that, not to like some rebellious teenager that says, no, I'm not doing But God, when we're faithful to you and follow you, God, your ways are, are, are fruitful. God, we thank you for that today. In your name we pray. Amen.